from the field to the film room to the war room. We've got you covered every step of the way as the road to the draft starts right now on BGN Radio. Hello and welcome to another episode of the BGN Draft Show. I am your host, Shane Half. You can follow me on Twitter and YouTube at Shane Half NFL. I'm joined today by my co-host and fellow draft enthusiast dives. Give him a follow on Twitter at Mr. Crockpot. Be sure to check out his podcast, Party on Broad. Dives, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well, man. First positional ranking, man. It is finally here. We're talking about guys that are quite polarizing. Draft season is upon us, man. I cannot be more excited. Yeah, absolutely. We're excited to dive into these rankings. This is the first year that I've ever done like a draft show during the college football season. So this is back on like my my familiar territory as we get into these position rankings now that, I mean, the NFL season's not all the way over, but unfortunately the Eagles season is. We're going to dive into QB rankings tonight. Uh, also joined by my co-host on Chalk Talk, Mark Henry Jr. Give him a follow on Twitter at Mark Henry Jr. underscore. Be sure to check out his Tough Cover radio show every Saturday. Mark, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. A little bit of jet lag here from some from some flying, but nothing to get over that, like talking about some of the biggest names we'll see go off the board in the 2024 NFL draft. And it's funny because obviously quarterbacks, you know, nationally are going to be the focus. And in college football, when you think about teams, you talk about who's their quarterback, how good is their quarterback. So these quarterbacks, it feels like have been in my life for a very long time, especially a couple of the older ones. Uh, so it's funny to talk about these guys who I feel like I've watched play more than some NFL quarterbacks. Yeah, absolutely. And you as an Eagles fan might be saying, why do I care about quarterbacks? And you probably don't, but there's going to be a lot of national discourse about these guys. A lot of them are going to go in the first round of the draft. Mm -hmm. You want to be the smartest guy in the room wherever you watch the draft. This mm -hmm. is where you start. So this is maybe not a position that will be as impactful for the Eagles, but we will get through every single position group on the road to the draft. So we're going to start tonight with quarterbacks, and we're going to go through our top five quarterbacks. Uh, we'll go one to five, and then we'll have some honorable mentions at the end. So, uh, Mark, why don't you lead us off here? Tell us, spoiler alert, we're pretty consensus across at least the top three quarterbacks. But, uh, Mark, we have a unanimous number one. Why don't you tell us who it is? It is Caleb Williams, uh, quarterback from USC. And if you see the hat that's on my head here, if you're watching on YouTube, you know that that, that doesn't make me happy to be <laughs> heaping praise on a USC quarterback. Uh, but when it's this guy with the talent that Caleb Williams has, it's, it's easy to because, I mean, this guy just displays everything you'd want to see in a modern NFL quarterback prospect. Uh, and, you know, 2022, he wins the Heisman at USC and is, he transfers from Oklahoma to USC and puts up awesome, incredible numbers. And the thing about that is everyone acts like 2023 was such a letdown for Caleb Williams. He really regressed. There was problems that shown with Caleb Williams. When you really break it down, his completion percentage was 2% better in 2023 than when he won the Heisman. His yards per attempt was better. His air yards per attempt was better. His passer rating was better. His touchdowns to interceptions was slightly worse. He had 42 touchdowns to five interceptions in 2022. He had 30 touchdowns to five interceptions in 2023. It was in two less games. But you look at the yards per game, all these things, he came out ahead of where he was in 2022. The difference? In 2022, he had a bad defense. In 2023, USC had a historically awful, one of the worst defenses of all time. 
You should be talking about Alex Grinch, their defensive coordinator, when it comes to that. Don't penalize Caleb Williams because his defense was given up 63 points every other week. Caleb Williams was just as incredible in 2023 as he was in 2022. And any of the discourse surrounding, you know, oh, is he as good as we thought? Is he truly a number one pick? And if anyone tries to put Drake Mayer, Caleb, or Drake Mayer, Jaden Daniels in the Caleb Williams tier, they're just doing it because they're bored and they're doing it because they're trying to inject some interest into the draft cycle. But Caleb Williams is as no doubt of a number one pick as Trevor Lawrence was. And, you know, I, I think it's close to as no doubt as Andrew Luck was. I think Caleb Williams is an extremely special prospect. He's a top three quarterback prospect, in my opinion, of the last since Andrew Luck. All right. Uh, yeah, that's that's high praise there. I was going to ask you guys how you would stack him up over because, you know, obviously he's going to be QB one for almost everybody this year. But I was going to ask Mark, you have got him top three since Andrew Luck uh, dives. How, how would you stack him up over, you know, the last five, six years? You know, you've got guys, prospects that came out like uh, Joe Burrow going number one overall, uh, two yeah. at five, Herbert at six in 2020. Uh, 2021, you had obviously Trevor Lawrence. We won't talk about the 2022 class. Yeah. Uh, CJ Stroud in 2023. Uh, how, how would you stack Caleb Williams up against, you know, that crop of guys, Dibes? He's right there with Burrow and Lawrence, man. His arm talent is as elite as it gets. His escapability. Um, this is a guy that, you know, he, he does not scramble to run. This is a guy that scrambles to make plays downfield, big plays. And for better or worse, sometimes, you know, that that can impact his prospect. But I feel like a lot of people, especially the casuals, watched the Notre Dame game and saw he had a poor performance and basically made up their mind. Uh, meanwhile, neglecting the, all the other games that he was outstanding, literally putting USC on his shoulders. Um, he, yeah, there are some negatives, you know, and, and a lot of it's nitpicking. He needs to play less hero ball. He got sacked 45 times this season, went under pressure, uh, and when blitz, there's a lot of tape on him holding on to the ball too long. He has to trust his first read more, especially against one-on-one -on -one coverage. Uh, so there are some weaknesses, but this is a generational quarterback prospect. Uh, and Mark laid it out amazing, amazingly, as, as always. Uh, his numbers were terrific this year. The hate is unjustified. This guy's right up there with Lawrence, with Burrow as some of the best passers and the bears would be foolish to pass on this guy. Yeah. And, and, and the one thing I want to say is people, I, I think when I say things like that, like a, a, a draft prospect is the best of 10 years, people are like, Oh, but CJ Stroud's so good. And Oh, you know, all, all these guys worked out. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when they were a prospect and I think Dives nailed it with the three names that I had in my head since Tre or since luck it's Trevor, it's Burrow and it's Caleb Burrow. I actually think, is third out of those three. Burrow was kind of a one-year wonder. His first year at LSU was not very good. His second year was, you know, the best of all time, maybe. Um, so it was a little bit, you know, one-year wonder-ish, whereas Caleb's done it two, if not three years at an elite level. I think it's him or Trevor. It's. It, I think that Caleb's film, to be honest, like I think Caleb's film and his arm talent is probably better than Trevor's. The thing with Trevor was you saw Trevor Lawrence do it at the highest level in big moments, in big games against Alabama and national championships, Ohio State. Like you saw him step up in the biggest moments, whereas Caleb, 
we didn't get to see that because his teams weren't good enough. So that's, it's hard to compare that. I think Caleb has better film than Trevor Lawrence did, but Trevor Lawrence was such a sure thing because we had seen him in the brightest of lights. Yeah, there, there were also, uh, you mentioned having uh, Joe Burrow, third of those guys. Lest we forget, there there was major arm questions, like arm strength questions with Joe Burrow coming out. Like that was a big knock on him. He excelled at the college level in that one year, but there was a lot of concerns about his arm strength. And that that just doesn't exist for Caleb Williams. He's got elite arm talent. Um, he, he's very... I hate doing this, but I'm going to anyways. He's very Mahomesian and like yeah. his creativity. Um, he's just, as I describe him, it's like, he's not like a runner like Lamar. He He's quicker than fast, but he's a really good scrambler and he scrambles to improvise and create plays downfield. And that comes with drawbacks like Dives talked about. He does hold on to the ball. He does big play hunt at times. He doesn't display the best ball security at times in the pocket. Um, but he's got great accuracy throwing to all areas of the field and he's, he's extremely accurate and he can also play on time and in rhythm, like mastery of the quick game, timing routes, things like that. Um, really experienced with RPOs and the ball handling and like the quick processing that goes with it. I would say one, one of the negatives that hasn't been mentioned for him and this is kind of what we do, right? We say he's a generational prospect, and then we talk about a lot of negatives because you're just trying to find things. But his mechanics are sloppy uh, at times, and that that doesn't matter until it matters. Mahomes' mechanics are sloppy at times. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I notice with Caleb that's really on my radar because this was a thing last year with Bryce Young, and I'm not saying he's Bryce Young, but when he takes his drops, because he's smaller, he's six one. Uh, which is like 17th percentile, he tends to drop back square to the line of scrimmage. And that's a big thing that Bryce Young would do too, to stay up on his toes so he could see over into the middle of the field. That leads to a slower top of the drop because it takes that extra step to then flip your hips and then drive the ball. And that's not a problem, like I said, till it's a problem, but it is something that's on film for Caleb that you'll have to figure out how to work around at the NFL level, especially throwing, you know, those intermediate, those layered throws over the middle of the field. But uh, you know, slam dunk first overall pick, in my opinion, he's QB one in this class. Uh, I think ideally you get him in a shot. He operated almost exclusively in shotguns. So you want him in a shotgun based offense uh, and probably like a heavy spread passing attack is going to be a great fit for Caleb Williams. Shane, how do you, so it seems like Chicago is narrowing in on Caleb with that hire of Shane Waldron. They interviewed Cliff Kingsbury, Caleb's um, college coach there. Uh, so it, it, you'd have to assume the the rumors are that they're going to take Caleb first. How do you think the Shane Waldron fit is kind of with the the system he's ran in Seattle the last couple of years? How do you think Caleb would fit in that in Chicago? I think it'll be fine. Uh, I think I think Waldron's done a pretty good job of getting getting the most out of lesser quarterbacks to a degree, and that's not mm-hmm. a shot at Geno, but I mean. Gino was in the league a long time before he really broke out in 2022. And a lot of that had to do with Shane Waldron. And I think he's done a good job with working with quarterbacks. Uh, I, I don't really have concerns there, especially, you know, since they have DJ Moore already, they're not going to throw him into a situation like they did Caleb Williams. And they're going to have the, I think it's the ninth overall pick and barring a trade back to add some other pieces as well. So uh, I think it's going to be a pretty good fit for Williams yeah, personally. I agree. All right. Well, 
that is our universal QB one. Let's talk about our universal QB two. And it's Drake May uh, out of UNC. Uh, Drake May was a four-star recruit coming out of high school. He only played in two games as a freshman in 2021. Uh, but in 2022, he burst onto the scene as a redshirt freshman taking over for Sam Howell. He threw for 4,321 yards, 38 touchdowns versus seven interceptions. Uh, he also added just under 700 rushing yards and seven rushing touchdowns. Uh, now this season, his numbers weren't quite as high. 3,600 yards, 63% completion percentage, 24 touchdowns to nine interceptions. He rushed for 449 yards and nine rushing touchdowns. He was PFF's eighth graded passer uh, in the 2023 season. Uh, he is more your prototypical size. He's 6'4", 220, 230 pounds. So, uh, but with that, he still brings good functional athleticism. He's very capable of extending plays as a scrambler. You can use him as a design runner. Like those tools are going to be in the toolbox. He's not a game changing runner, but he's good enough to check that box of mobility uh, in the modern NFL. Uh, he's got a really strong arm. Uh, I think may he can push the ball downfield and outside the numbers, but he also makes nice touch throws, uh, making those layered throws over the middle of the field that are so important in the NFL. I also think he throws off platform really well, especially when he's under pressure and for muddy pockets. Uh, he can throw on the run without sacrificing much in the way of velocity or accuracy. And I thought he handled the blitz really well, uh, which is fresh on my mind after watching how the Eagles handle the blitz and lack thereof. Uh, overall, I think he operates really well inside of structure or outside of structure. Uh, if you're going to nitpick weaknesses for May, I would say that he is slow to move through progressions, especially when the picture changes on him post-snap. When he gets safe, late safety rotations, uh, sometimes that slows down his internal process. And then similar to like we talked about with Williams, he does like to hold onto the ball and use that mobility to extend plays and to big play hunt. I think he needs to be more willing to take that check down. Uh, he also has inconsistent footwork in the pocket. He's real heel clicky at the top of his drops. So he's not toesy, but he, he heel clicks a lot. And I think that saps a little bit of his accuracy at times. But uh, I mean, he's a slam dunk number two pick for me. Like Washington shouldn't think about this. They should sprint in the Drake May card. Uh, I think he's a scheme diverse guy. He's going to fit in a whole lot of systems. Uh, Dives, what am I missing on Drake May? What are your thoughts on him? I'm really glad you brought up the blitz um, because that was a big area uh, for Drake May to improve on. You look at 2022 when the Tar Heels lost four straight games. Uh, that was a big reason. Uh, teams blitzed the heck out of him, and he really struggled uh, to get back, um, to respond, to adjust. And I thought he did a much better job um, handling the blitz this year. Uh, you look at 2023, I mean, if – Caleb Williams excels out of the pocket. Drake May is a guy that's lethal inside it. Uh, he has an effortless release. Uh, he's able to get a lot of velocity on the football. He throws a beautiful football. Um, and he can hit all levels of the field with his accuracy and his power. And he takes care of the football as well. He only has thrown 16 interceptions and 26 turnover-worthy plays compared to 80 big-time throws in 2023 and yeah we all like to say like how his numbers aren't as good 
Um, but a big reason behind that is because he lost his top, top two receivers to the NFL last year, and he worked with a new offensive coordinator in 2023. Eagles fans should know what that's all about. Uh, so, yeah, you nailed it on the weaknesses, but I just wanted to add that. Yeah, and, you know, Josh Downs had a very good year this year in the NFL. He, he lost a really good player there in Josh Downs. The leading receiver on North Carolina this year had, like, 46 catches and, like, 500 yards. Like, they just didn't have a go-to guy until Tez Walker was given eligibility. And if you look after the – I mean, they struggled early on in the year. Once they got their best receiver, and Tez Walker's a guy we're going to talk about, you know, going forward, he's probably going to be a day two pick um, at the wide receiver position. He was much better down the stretch, Drake May. Um, he had two tough games to start out the year, Minnesota and South Carolina. He threw four picks in those two games. With Tez Walker, his stats got much better. And even year to year, he was only he only had eight less passing yards per game this year. So, yeah, there were problems. There were things that maybe did look like they regressed a little bit. He was still – Excellent. Um, and the thing about I think Drake May in some ways is going to get kind of labeled as the safe prospect uh, of the three QB prospects with with Caleb, with him and with Daniels. I don't think that's fair. This guy can be reckless. I, I mean, we we've seen Drake May get reckless in the pocket to the point where I think that the Josh Allen comps are kind of real like I, I think you look at he's 6'5 220 Josh Allen was 6'5 230 coming out of college he's a better runner and a better athlete than I think he's being given credit for um his brother by the way was Luke May who, who was a star basketball player in <laughs> I didn't know that yeah um so he is uh, he's an athletic guy you look at his rushing Josh Allen in his two years at Wyoming had set had about 700 rushing yards and 12 touchdowns Drake May in his two years at North Carolina starting, had close to 1,200 yards with 16 touchdowns rushing. I, I think that there is a lot of Josh Allen in his game, and th there's a couple plays where it's like, man, what were you looking at there? Like He, he definitely has some crazy, and it works out a lot, but he has some crazy plays, um, especially in the red zone. He's had some pretty crazy attempts in the red zone, especially this year. Um, but he is an exciting watch. And I think people will look at Jaden Daniels being such an electric runner and look at Caleb Williams being as Shane called him Mahomes esque. And it's, it's, it's totally fair with Caleb. It's the only thing you're going to think of when you watch the tape. I didn't even want to put it in the universe, but it's, it's so obvious, but I think there's a lot there with Drake may that compares to Josh Allen, but I think he's going to get labeled as maybe the little bit safer guy. I think he's pretty reckless in great ways and also in ways that make you scratch your head sometimes. But he is going to be a very good quarterback at the next level, and he's got incredible upside. Yeah. All right. Well, that is our top two. We're going to be consensus at number three, too, before we diverge a little bit. So, Dives, why don't you talk about the number three guy on all of our boards, uh, quarterback Jaden Daniels out of LSU? Yeah, man. Lamar Jackson-esque in the sense that Every time this guy's on the football field, he's going to be one of the best athletes as well. Uh, I mean, he, he's just a pure athlete. He's not an elite burner, but a plus athlete with excellent speed, excellent elusiveness, especially once he gets into the open field. Um, in the pocket, he's at his best going uh, down the field. He throws a beautiful and accurate deep ball. He's got an effortless release. Um, this is arguably the probably the mark, right? Like the biggest winner of college football Absolutely. last year. Like, I mean, his, his draft stock has skyrocketed uh, since the start. 
of 2023. Um, but unlike most mobile quarterbacks, dual threat quarterbacks, like I, I really think he is quite calm in the pocket. He does a really good job of sliding away from pressure, stepping up into the pocket when he needs to. And uh, then we get to, get to weaknesses. You know, I think he needs to do a better job of protecting himself. Uh, there are definitely too many times, too many instances uh, at LSU when he's willing to take hits, but he's so athletic, you kind of understand why. Um, there are times when he struggles with accuracy. It often comes 15 yards or in. Um, mm. a, a lot of those misses in that range are simply because he does not finish on his throws. And that's that's a weakness, but it's something that's clearly correctable with NFL coaching. I think he needs to show more consistency going through his progressions. Uh, there are a lot of times when he would stare down his first read uh, at fault, uh, and that would lead to him missing you know, more open receivers. Uh, and then to finish up, like just circling back, to his strengths, I, I think it's pretty clear uh, that he would fit best in a scheme that's kind of that Todd Munkin, whatever Lamar Jackson's running in Baltimore, that is like shotgun heavy, a good dose of RPOs, running those quick reads. Uh, Jaden Daniels, uh, if he's not going to be the third pick in the draft, he's going top five. Uh, he's just climbed the board every single week. Uh, and he was an amazing watch, man. I watched a ton of LSU this year. Uh, that was one of the pure uh, delights of 2023 college football. Uh, watching him climb the draft boards, it's, it's been an honor. So Jaden Daniels, lock-in number three quarterback. All right. Yeah, one of the things that impresses me most about Jaden Daniels is you typically get the archetype of, you know, the four or five guy. He reportedly he's run a four or five forty. And whether that's true or not, he's blazing fast, right? Dynamic weapon in the running game. He throws a beautiful deep ball. And you get that type of guy, and he tends to be, you know, big play hunting. And like we talked about with Caleb Williams, and I really feel like Jaden Daniels just he doesn't get too far over his skis hunting big plays. Like I feel like he does a good job of playing within himself. Uh, he's got a snappy release on short and intermediate throws. Uh, I will say, I don't think he ha he doesn't have top end arm talent. Like he can struggle to drive the ball into tight windows. Now he can throw really well on the run and all of that, but he's not going to, you know, he's not a Drake May, Josh Allen, big arm, like driving it into those tight windows. Uh, that's not him. Uh, throwing over the middle isn't one of his strong suits, but uh, one of the things that really concerns me with, Jaden Daniels is the fact that he's 210 pounds, right? Which is small, but it's especially small for a six, four guy. He's got a really small skinny frame and he doesn't protect himself well as a runner. And that's a real concern. If you're going to, you know, I think that I think you slot this guy into a quarterback run heavy scheme. I would say more like the Greg Roman Lamar Jackson offense early on than the current Todd Munkin Lamar Jackson offense. And the problem is if you're going to predicate so much of how this is going to work early on, on that mobility, it does make me a little bit concerned that he's so small and he doesn't protect himself well. So I do think that's something that's uh, a potential red flag for Jaden Daniels. Um, Mark, let me ask you this. It, Caleb Williams is not in the draft. He decided to go back to school. Okay. Hypothetically speaking, 
So Caleb Williams is gone. Drake Mays consensus number one to Chicago. Is Jaden Daniels a consensus number two pick here to Washington? Or how does that fall? If the, if Caleb's not in the draft, is Jaden Daniels going number two overall, or is that too high? What are your thoughts about that? He probably would get propped up to that, and there's a good chance he ends up going number three um, in this draft, which I guess would answer that question. If he goes number three, then he would have went number two. Um, I think he probably will end up going number three. Honestly, the more I hear, the more people like about him. But Shane, I I, I hate to do this, and I love what you – because I, I – you know that I'm not the type of guy who gets all upset about a quarterback's weight and height. I do like to evaluate the tape. I like to evaluate what I see instead of just being, you know, looking at size and going from there. Cause I mean, we've seen so many guys outperform their height and weight. I'd be lying. There's a hit. I just sent Shane. I'm glad he pulled it up. There's a lot of hits like this um, with Jaden Daniels um, against Ole Miss he looks like a Looney Tunes character when he gets hit sometimes. Um, there's one against Alabama that's very similar. That, that he, he And he has fumbled a, a couple of these. And dating back to Arizona State, um, this is something that happened to him back then. He was 175 pounds at Arizona State playing quarterback. So he's being listed at 210, 205, whatever he's being listed at. I don't know what, what, what he weighs. I think there's a pretty good chance he weighs like 190 pounds. Um, he's, a, he's really small. That's kind of the concern. Lamar Jackson, it's you're obviously going to think of those comparisons because of how successful he was running the ball, um, especially this last year. Uh, Lamar Jackson, I do think Lamar Jackson's bigger than him. I mean, they're both 6'3". Lamar was listed, I think, at 215 um, in college. But you, when you watch him, Lamar didn't get hit like that. Like, Lamar didn't get squared up and smoked like in the way that you see Jaden Daniels. It almost happens like once a game where he gets hit like that. And it hasn't been a problem yet, you know, outside of fumbles. He hasn't gotten hurt uh, too bad. He's had some, you know, some kind of little injuries. But I, that's not to say well, that I don't. There, there's also a difference in Lamar being 6'2", 215, and Jaden Daniels being 6'4", 215. Like, that extra two inches being at the same weight is kind of a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely matters. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right because Lamar's more compact. He's not – he's less lanky. Um, yeah, it's Jaden Daniels. Let me just say though, that he is an electric guy to watch. I mean, it, it is some of the most fun quarterback film you're ever going to watch. And, you know, die, Shane hates fantasy football more than anything. And, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to make this a whole fantasy football thing, especially when it comes to college fantasy football. But this is an interesting list that I found here. Um, the most fantasy points per game in a season by an NCAA quarterback since 2016. There's a top eight. The interesting thing about this list, everyone on this top eight is an excellent quarterback at the next level. The number one is Lamar Jackson in 2016. Number two is Jaden Daniels this last year in 2023. Number three is Lamar Jackson in 2017. Number four is Mahomes in 2019. Five is Hertz in 2019. Six is Kyler in 2018. Burrow in 2019. Mahomes wouldn't have been 2019. That's a he wrote the wrong year. And then Caleb in 2022. Like, that's a pretty good list to be on there with Jaden Daniels and Caleb Williams. Jaden Daniels, I don't think people realize it because you look at the passing stats sometimes and you get so wrapped up in that. But when you add in rushing stats, he had a better year than Burrow, arguably. Like, Burrow is the best year I've ever seen in college football. But when you add in the rushing stats on a game-to-game -game basis, Jaden Daniels was even better statistically. It's just he was – 
the story of the 2023 college football season. And that's why he won the Heisman. And that's why he's vaulted himself into these conversations that I didn't think we were going to be having two, three months ago. Um, To be honest, every week that goes by in this draft process and I watch a little more, I watch a little more, I read a little more, I like him more. Um, I I think a couple of weeks ago, I would have told you it would have been ridiculous for the New England Patriots to take him at number three over Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm not there anymore. Uh, If they do it, I, I don't know if it would be what I would do, but I totally understand. He is only the second player in SEC history to throw for 3,500 yards and run for 1,000 yards in a season. Uh, do either of you know who the other player is to do SEC. so? Hmm. No, give it to me. Johnny Manziel. I wouldn't have got that. I wouldn't have I, thought of that. My guess when I when someone when I heard that stat, my guess was Cam Newton, but it can't Yeah, I was thinking Hurts for a second, but I was as uh, Oklahoma, his, his Alabama stats weren't that good. All right. Well, there you have it. That is through our top three. We're unanimous. Caleb Williams, number one, Drake May, number two, Jaden Daniels, number three. Let's get in to number four. Um, and I can't remember which one of you has this guy number four now. Mark, this is you, right? You yeah. Got, okay. So why don't you? Oh, no, no, no. Here? Sorry about that. I have Nick's four. All right, I have Nick's four, Panic's five. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. Talk about Nick's. I'll fix the slides. I forgot to write that down. Mm-hmm. All right. Am I talking about Nick's? My bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. All right. Uh, one of the most polarizing prospects in this draft is uh, unquestionably Bo Nix. Um, when it comes to his biggest strengths, it's got to be this guy's accuracy. Uh, he consistently places the ball exactly where it needs to be. And I, I think he's at his best when he's getting the ball out fast. Um, when uh, I was watching the Pac-12 championship game, I took a note of this immediately. But ESPN showed this crazy stat uh, about Bo Nix. His average release time this season was 2.5 seconds uh, for comparison. Trevor Lawrence with the Jaguars was 2.51 seconds in 2023. Uh, So this is a guy that gets the ball out really quick. Uh, He also processes quickly. He he always seems to know where he's going with the ball, which is a big reason why Bo Nix has only been sacked 10 times the last two years combined. Um, He's got an above average ability to throw on the run as well. He's really solid with his accuracy when scrambling out of the pocket. He can also make defenders miss. um, And it's pretty good. You know, if his, you know, options down the field are taken away um, downfield, I I think a weakness uh, that comes up a lot when you watch Bo Nix is his arm strength. Um, It's, it, it could develop with time, but at the moment, like, the, the, the velocity just isn't there. Uh, it's not the same that you see from everyday starters in the NFL. I think at the moment, he probably is a guy that would benefit from staying within that shorter intermediate range, avoiding, you know, far hash throws in the NFL. I think um, you look at his resume and especially against good competition, it's also not as great. He's got a six and five record against top 25 teams the past two years. That's a bit concerning. And, you know, Oregon's red zone offense this year was number 40 in the in the nation as well. Um, when it comes to scheme fit, I think Bo Nix, his strengths of accuracy 
making pinpoint throws on like play action passes and rollouts. Uh, that that's that's going to be his bread and butter. And I'm not personally the highest on Bo Nix, hence um, I think I think I rated him number five. By the way, uh, now that yeah, I think about it. Uh, but I've got a day two grade on him, but I would not be surprised at all to see him select as some high, pretty high round two. Some people have him round one. You know, this is where the draft gets really muddy with with another prospect that will be probably giving an honorable mention a little bit later. But Bo Nix is um, getting a lot of Drew Brees kind of comes I've seen as well, um, which is interesting. So he's definitely one to watch during this draft process, uh, a guy that I could see swing all over the place. Now, Dives, did you say, did I hear you say that one of his strengths was moving through his progressions quickly? No, I don't think he does that. I don't think he was, I don't think he did that a lot at at Oregon. Um, In fact, that's, that was kind of, that's probably a a weakness of his is because he kind of goes, he got the ball out fast and got to his first read pretty quickly. Okay, I thought I heard you say that, and I was going to ask you about that because one of the negatives I had written down was that he just had such a simple offense at Oregon. I didn't think he was ever asked to do a lot post-snap mm-hmm. uh, in terms of processing. So I was going to ask you about that, but I think I might have just misheard you while I was I trying I, to figure out he, why I wrote down the order wrong here. I think he processes quickly, but I don't think he was – that's that's the polarizing piece of this. Like we talked about with Hendon Hooker at Tennessee in 2023 – like that's the piece that we don't really know about. I think he can do those things. I really do. And I got killed on this from my scouting report on Bo Nix. I people really like Bo Nix in this draft, and it's a sensitive topic. But in that video, I actually said I, I he's he didn't really do a lot of it at Oregon, but I do think he has the ability to go through his progressions. Um, we'll see. We'll see. That's definitely one of the biggest question marks that he will be asked. Uh, during the next few months. Yeah. He's, he's definitely polarizing. Uh, I, I I was on uh, Trill Bro Dudes. Uh, he's a Sixers podcaster. I was on his podcast, and he knows that we do this draft stuff. But I was plugging the, plugging the draft pot a little bit, so he started asking me my opinion on some of the quarterbacks, and the chat hated Bo Nix. Everyone was like, don't, this dude's not an NFL quarterback, and I was like almost defending him. And I don't think I'm that high on him because I don't think he should go in the first round at all. I, I am outside my top 50. He'll be somewhere around the 60 range, um, and he's my QB4. Uh, the thing that's going to determine Bo Nix to me is how athletic he is. I, I think we know he's an accurate passer. We know that there are arm strength concerns. So to me, his ceiling will be raised by what he can do in the pocket. And I feel like a lot of the time, like Shane said, he wasn't asked to do a whole lot. Like there, you didn't get to see him uh, run all that much this year. I'm not asking him to even run, um, but I think that a lot of what he was doing was just one, two, three throw, you know, hit your first read, hit your first target and not really have to think too much far beyond that um, and not have to really move around in the pocket too far beyond that. Um, I I think that he is a pretty good athlete when he does get moving. It's not like he's slow. Um, So to me, it's just going to be determined by kind of what, what type of scrambler he is. Um, But to me, he feels like, you know, fringe starter ish. Like there's definitely some, some lower grade Tua, I'd say to him. Um, I, I think that there's some similarities with he's asked to do a lot. And when he's asked, he's good at doing those things. 
But when things break down a little bit, maybe not so much. And he's, yeah. and he's actually not the most polarizing quarterback prospect in this draft. <laughs> yeah, we're about to talk about that guy. Uh, I will mention on Bo Nix that uh, one of the things that he's dramatically improved his pocket presence over his college career. Uh, his pressure to sack rate went from 16% to 14 to 11 to 6 to 7%. So uh, he dramatically brought that pressure to sack rate down. I think he shows a lot of creativity escaping from the pocket when things start to go south. Um, and I think he's got an adequate NFL arm. Like he's not got a, I wouldn't classify him as a strong arm, but it's adequate. And he's got a compact release, which is important when you're not dealing. Like if you've got a Josh Allen arm, you can have a little bit more loopy release. You can be late and still get there on time. If you just got an adequate arm, you've got to keep everything compact. And I think he does that. Um, He's also an older prospect. He'll be he'll be 24 on draft night. Uh, and that's important when you talk about developing a guy, a guy that maybe needs some development. So uh, I personally don't have a first round grade on Knicks at this point in time. I'll still watch more things as I get closer to the draft and that may change. But uh, right now I've kind of got him on that day two, you know, second round. And I think he, you know, he'd be a great fit for an RPO vertical uh, type attacking offense. So that's kind of where I see him fitting best. So uh, Bo Nix is number five for Dibes and I, he was number four for Mark. I totally botched the order when I was writing that. Down. Uh, I so. we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll get, we'll get better. You know, first, first position ranking, we're still getting in the swing of things. So uh, now we'll talk about the other guy. That's probably more polarizing Mark uh, uh, or Mark has him at five dives and I have him at four. And for some reason we're going to let Mark, who's the lowest <laughs> on him, talk about him first. So Mark, talk to us about Michael Penix jr. Quarterback out of Washington. Yeah, it's really just I, I just find this like an interesting test study of like it feels like, you know, this should be studied in the future uh, by, you know, by scientists. Uh, you know, it's just really interesting to see what will happen in the draft, because I don't think we've ever seen a scenario like this where Michael Penix, the tape is unbelievable. He throws a beautiful ball. I mean, he led a like a team like Washington doesn't get to the college football national championship. It's Alabama, it's Clemson, it's Ohio State, it's Michigan, like it's Texas. Like there's not a whole lot of teams that get to play in these big games. But Michael Penix transformed the Washington program while he was there. He got his head coach, the, the Alabama head coaching job, basically, because of what he was able to do with Michael Penix. And Michael Penix, I mean, he. <clears throat> Just you look at the stats, they tell the stories, the runner up to the Heisman. He if if Jaden Daniels wasn't the story of the 2023 season, it was Michael Penix. So all of that would make you think, is he going to go top five? Is he going to go top 10, you know, top 20? But the problem is he's had two torn ACLs and it's not one knee. And it's both knees. He's torn both knees. And he also I thought it I thought it was the same knee twice. I I, I, am I wrong? I was trying to look that up specifically today because it's a little I hard to I find good that. info before the combine, but I'm pretty sure it was the right knee both times. I thought I heard that on a podcast. I could be totally wrong about that. That yeah. would, I think that's better if it's two on one than if it was both. I don't know. I, I see he's got four season ending injuries. Yeah. Um, he's got uh, a torn ACL in 2018 and 2020. And then shoulder injuries in 2019 and 2021. Yeah. Yeah. So his injury history, he tore his ACL in 2018. 
dislocated yeah. his SC right. joint in his non-throwing shoulder in 2019, tore his ACL in 2020, and then he dislocated the AC joint in his throwing shoulder in 2021. By the way, fun little story. He was also playing without medical clearance from the ACL. I don't know if you've yeah. heard that, but the doctor yeah. the doctor had not medically cleared him, but also couldn't keep him from playing. So he was playing uh, basically against doctor's advice on that ACL. So tough guy. Uh, uh, you could argue about how smart of a decision that was, but he, he never played more than six games in a season before 2022, but then he transferred to Washington and he stayed healthy for two years and put up video game numbers. So sorry to cut in there, Mark, but no. uh, that I, I just, I was looking at that earlier. So go ahead. It is pretty funny that he had like almost identical. He had 363 completions and 555 attempts in 2023. He had 362 completions and 554 attempts in 2022. <laughs> it's just very funny. Like he had like 300 more yards in 2023, That's a couple great. more touchdowns, a couple more picks, but he had such like identical last two seasons at Washington. Um, the other thing that's an interesting part of this test study, he had three receivers that are going to go in the top yeah. 60. Maybe 70, I, I imagine. Jalen McMillan will probably be a fringe second rounder. Jalen Polk is going to be a, a top 40 pick. And, and I and I think Roma Dunze could be a top 10 pick. He should be a top four pick, but that's a whole other conversation. Uh, but Michael Penix is, is just – if the tape would make you think he's a top five pick. The stories you hear would make you think he's a top five pick. But the knee issues, the shoulder issues, the, the fact that he doesn't really – have functional athleticism like this isn't a guy who's scrambling much this isn't a guy who's going to run for yards a lot like not a very athletic guy uh, and Michael Penix at this point maybe that's due to the injuries but um a couple of, like I think five years ago a guy who was a little bit less of an athlete but maybe had these knee issues I think maybe they would almost get treated better but I think now you almost need your quarterback to be able to move in the pocket and that's the thing I keep coming back to with Penix if even if Penix had the knee injuries and everything else is the same, but he was able to move around in the pocket a little bit better. He was able to run for a, you know, first down on third down every once in a while. Maybe I would be willing to buy in on the first round level. But to me, I look at Nick's Penix and another quarterback that we'll talk about an honorable mention, pretty much dead. Even they all to me are fringe second rounders. Um, and, and I think drafting them in the first round would be incredibly risky uh, but I understand if someone talked themselves into it while watching him against Texas. I mean, it'd be hard not to. He's such a guy you you want to root for. Like, uh, as I watched a ton of Washington this year, and you know, this is a guy that's on the sideline after they win a big game, just bawling his eyes out. He's got the the towel over his head, like he's embarrassed. Like, this guy's a gamer, man, um, and that's that's worthy of noting. You know that the. the his ability to win big games and just win in general is just such a, a, a thing we have to talk about here. Um, that the Huskies played in seven games against ranked opponents in 2023. Their lone loss came against top-ranked Michigan. Uh, Penix went 25 and three in his two years at Washington, uh, with his 2023 team being the only one to have ever had an undefeated season as a Pac-12 school. Uh, so, man, just an amazing career for Michael Penix. I get the the um, concerns and the age and the injuries and all that stuff. The arm is amazing. Um, he's clutch when he needs to be. He's got – he's just a winner in general. Um, I, I think he will probably – 
be selected in the first round. Um, I think he'll be, he's way more likely to be a first rounder than Bo Nix. Um, yeah, definitely another polarizing guy. Yeah. So I look at Michael Penix Jr. And this is the classic guy that's hard for me to place for some of the reasons Mark talked about injury history. He's an older prospect. Uh, he'll be uh, just under 24 years old on draft night, the talent that's around him. It's hard to, you know, parse out. Uh, but you watch the guy, he can spin the football, man. He can throw the football. He's got a big arm, uh, can drive the ball all over the field, makes the layered throws, diagnosis coverage really well, has really good ball placement. And I think he's got really good pocket mobility. Now that doesn't mean athleticism. He plays in structure, but he's got good pocket mobility, uh, kills the blitz with high football IQ and instincts. And I look at all that and then I just say, like that's a first round tape grade. He doesn't bring rushing ability to the table. And so as a result, I wouldn't draft him. Like I just wouldn't because I think it's so important for your quarterback in today's NFL to be able to create outside of structure. And I just don't think Michael Penix can do that. And so I look at him and injury issues aside, all the other evaluations aside, like I wouldn't take him, but I can't not say that like, I'd probably put a first round grade, late first, maybe an early second grade on him. He's a he's a pure pocket passer, and I just think it's a dying breed. And that's more about the tra- the trajectory of the position in the NFL than it is about him as a prospect. And that sucks because he's a fun player to watch. Um, I just I I, I would not be thrilled if I was a fan of a quarterback needy team and they took Penix in the first round. <sighs> and right. I hate and I hate saying that because he's such that's a fun fair. prospect to watch. Totally fair. I mean, the thing that you said that I, I should I forgot to say, the way he layers throws is unbelievable. I, I mean, I, I always go back to that Texas game because I was watching it um, with my dad, who doesn't watch college football. Um, so, you know, it's like I'm introducing these people to him, and he's like, this guy's the best quarterback I've ever seen. <laughs> and that's what you'd think if that was the only game you watched. And, I mean, that's what you'd think if you watched a lot of his games. He was that good uh, against Texas in, you know, the biggest game of his life to that point. And I, I think dives was spot on bringing up that he's a gamer. He absolutely is. And one big negative here that we haven't touched on is his challenges handling the blitz. Um, that, that is all over his tape as well. Um, he's a quarterback that really struggles again with, with pressure. And that was just so pronounced in that national championship game against Michigan, where they really put him in a blender. Uh, he didn't know what he was looking at. And it was arguably his worst game of his career. Um, so I just want to throw that out there that, you know, that's that's something that he really needs to develop at the next level. All right. So to recap, from one to five, uh, I have Caleb Williams, number one, Drake May, number two, Jaden Daniels, number three, Michael Penix Jr., number four, Bo Nix, number five. That is identical to Dibes' list. Uh, Mark is the same, but... Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. are flipped at four and five. Uh, so that is our top five quarterbacks. Before we get out of here, though, we want to do some honorable mentions. And I'm going to lead us off with the guy that we left out here. And we'll use our honorable mentions for Eagles targets, day three guys. But here, there's just one guy that you just missed the cut if you're doing a top five quarterbacks. And that's quarterback J.J. McCarthy out of Michigan. Uh, he will only be 21 years old on draft nights. We talk about old prospects. He's a young prospect. 
Uh, he was a four-star recruit who barely played in 2021. Uh, then in 2022, he threw for 2,700 yards, 22 touchdowns, and five interceptions. This year, uh, he threw for 2,991 yards at a 72.3% completion percentage, 22 touchdowns versus four interceptions. He also rushed for three touchdowns, and he was PFF's ninth-graded quarterback. When you look at McCarthy, um, he is an above-average athlete who has the ability to create from inside or outside the pocket. I think McCarthy has good accuracy throwing over the middle of the field, and I think he hangs tough in the pocket, and he's willing to take hits to make those throws. He's really, like, poised is the word that comes to mind. He's really poised in the pocket. Uh, I think he operates effectively in the quick game, especially using RPOs, and, and he thrived against the blitz throwing to his first read. He throws a really good fastball. He is a bit of a one-speed thrower, though. Like, he struggles to layer throw those touch throws over the middle. He struggles with that at times. He also has a huge lack of true dropback passing reps. Michigan runs their offense through the running game, and they're very play-action and screen and RPO-oriented, and I think that's reflected in McCarthy's processing and his progressions. Now, he tends to lock onto that first read and wait, and he can struggle if it's not there. He's also underweight at 202 pounds at 6'3". That's 53rd percentile height, 4th percentile weight. And that's okay if you're Jaden Daniels. And we talked about it with Jaden Daniels, but you bring like this dynamic rushing threat. If you don't bring a lot of juice as a runner, that's a little more concerning. Um, and not a lot was put on him at Michigan. Sometimes that's an indictment of a player. It indicates limitations there. Uh, sometimes it's just what a coach wants from a scheme. And so you have to parse that out with JJ McCarthy. I think JJ McCarthy should go on day two. I think like to me, he is an ideal like Shanahan quarterback, put him in a Shanahan system, uh, wide zone play action, uh, all of those things. Your first read's going to be open. Just trust me and throw the ball. Like, I feel like that's the sort of system that McCarthy could really thrive in. I wouldn't want to touch him on day one, but on day two in the right system, I think McCarthy could develop into a into a good NFL quarterback. So that's my honorable mention. I wanted to shout him out. Uh, Dives, I'll throw it over to you. You can give me thoughts on McCarthy or anybody else you want to. Uh, real quick on McCarthy, I, you know, a lot of people, a lot of scouts have him uh, as QB3 in this draft, and I don't see that whatsoever. Uh, I fully agree. I see him more of a system quarterback uh, than uh, some like scheme versatile, like first round draft selection. Um, just way too inconsistent as a processor and decision maker with the football. Um, congratulations on the, on the, on the championship. I mean, he's a winner. There's no doubt about it, but I just don't buy it. Um, some, you know, mid round, the day three guys for the Philadelphia Eagles. I think they should know about, uh, leading off with Michael Pratt out of Tulane, um, you know, as the Eagles kind of shift to, to a, maybe a change in the offense uh, with more motion and get the ball out faster and different things like that. Uh, he, here's a couple of names I, I want to throw out there. Uh, but Michael Pratt is a guy that is six foot three, 220 pounds. He's not an elite athlete, but elite level instincts in football IQ. Excellent decision maker with the football uh, can anticipate windows, anticipate throws, identify mismatches, manipulate defenders with his eyes. 
Uh, Michael Pratt is really intriguing. Um, I probably have a day two grade, so the Eagles probably won't select him on day two. But if he falls to day three, keep an eye out on that dude. Uh, Austin Reed out of Western Kentucky is a day three guy. Um, kind of similar stuff. Uh, elite football IQ. Doesn't have great arm strength, uh, but gets the ball out fast and accurate and can have really nice touch on his throws in that like short to intermediate range. Um, he's a really interesting one. And then the, the, the fun one of all fun ones is Joe Milton out of Tennessee. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I mean, you talk about like Anthony Richardson and his like physical profile, Joe Milton's like right there, like six, five, 200 plus pounds. Um, he can scoot if he needs to. Uh, obviously, he doesn't have the zero to 60 uh, acceleration that Anthony Richardson has. And Joe Milton will never run that 40-yard dash that Richardson had. But Milton's got a huge arm, um, just struggles with accuracy and mechanics and things like that. And, of course, playing in that Tennessee offense, it's kind of a hard evaluation given – um, to kind of know what he does, because a lot of it is just him getting the ball out immediately or attacking downfield. A lot of what we saw with Jalen Milrow at, at Alabama. So uh, those are three names I believe I just gave that I would definitely watch out for. Um, Michael Pratt, Austin Reed, Joe Milton. Check him out. Joe Milton, on the day that he steps into the NFL, will be one of the three maybe strongest arms in the history of the NFL. He's huge. Um, he throws the ball 95 miles per hour, um, 80 yards down the field. He also throws it 95 miles per hour when he's throwing a screen pass. Um, <laughs> he has absolutely no touch. It's it's insane to watch Joe Milton. He's like a, just a roller coaster. Uh, I, I got to be honest with you guys. I, I think that you look at the top three, it's one of the best top three quarterback cl classes of all time. Um, top six, I think you could even make an argument for that. I think this is one of the least, like, one of the most shallow quarterback drafts yeah. of all time. I don't like these mid-round guys at all. Even yeah. the guy, you know, Notre Dame quarterback, Sam Hartman, could be a day three guy. He should not get drafted. Let's just let's just be honest about that. That guy's not an NFL quarterback. He was not good at Notre Dame in a great situation. Um, yeah, I, I really don't don't love the next tier of guys, to be honest. Yeah, there's a reason why I've been waiting to, to put out my quarterback, my top 10 quarterback rankings, because, like, after <laughs> McCarthy, like, it's just – it's a crapshoot, to be honest. Um, and I'm just going to wait until the senior bowl to see if someone steps up. Aiden O'Connell did it last year. Stetson mm -hmm. Bennett did it last year. They had a great combine in senior bowl. Um, but like Mark said, like it's they're all in the same tier of guys that are like day three to undrafted, essentially. Rattler, like Spencer Rattler's like a guy who he was like a huge I'm not a fan. Not yeah, I'm not a fan either. He, he was a huge high school prospect, as Shane knows. Yep. Um and he has Jordan Travis, there. Jordan Travis. Yeah. Jordan Travis coming up the Achilles um, that, that he suffered there, which ended Florida state season. Um, yeah. He's an interesting one. Do you, that's going to come with a lot of medical red flags when he's already pretty small, doesn't have the most elite arm strength, to be honest, Jordan Travis. Like, he's, yeah. And there's just all these guys have such huge bugaboos. Like Michael Pratt would probably be seventh for me, but he's not an athlete at all. So that kind of goes right well, back to Shane's point. The the depth really got hit when you had guys like Quinn Ewers return, Shador yeah. Sanders return. I'm sure I'm missing one. Um, Cam Ward, that was a really a really yeah. fun quarterback. I was excited that uh, once he declared, it, 
Um, because I was I might have had him over Penix and both. Wow, really? I, I Cam Ward is legit, man. Uh he, I like Cam Ward, yeah. He's gonna be really good in 2024 um for Miami. Um, but there's other guys like Will Howard to uh, who's your boy at Notre Dame? Um John a blank. Um Riley, Riley Leonard. Riley Leonard's nice too. Um, so there are some fun ones in the pipes coming down the line, but we say that every year, right? So yeah. here we are. Yeah. All right. Well, that is going to about wrap up this first positional ranking episode of the BGN draft show. We're going to get you guys ready for the 2024 NFL draft. We'll have a show a week in your feed. Sometimes maybe two. Uh, we'll talk senior bowl in a couple of weeks. We'll talk combine when it gets here, a lot of stuff coming your way. Uh, so be sure you are subscribed, hit that subscribe button. So you get every show on the BG and radio feed. Make sure you're following these guys on Twitter. Dibes is at Mr. Crockpot. Mark is at Mark Henry jr. Uh, Dibes is putting out draft content all the time. Uh, so be sure you check that out. We will catch you guys next week for another episode of the BGN draft show.